Today on the Matt Wall Show, rabid mobs continue to wreak havoc and destruction in Wisconsin and elsewhere across the country, all with the explicit support, of course, of the Democrat Party. Nancy Pelosi said yesterday that Republicans are domestic enemies, but that label applies much more to Democrats. Also, five headlines, including Jerry Falwell Jr. in a thruple, allegedly. Incredibly important story here that we'll talk about. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel PhDs. All PhDs are, are canceled, and I'll explain why. But first, let me tell you about Charity Mobile. Uh, new sponsors on the show that I'm very excited about. Charity Mobile is the pro-life phone company, and they really earn that label. Listen to this. 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. So you get to decide, which means uh, you get a great service and you're also performing an act of charity at the same time. And I should emphasize that it is a great service. I use it myself. Uh, I couldn't be happier with it. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. So there are all kinds of uh, additional perks that come with this. And, uh, you know, you could take those perks while feeling good because you're helping a worthy cause at the same time. The most worthy cause, of course, is the pro-life cause because if we aren't defending life, the dignity of life in this country, if we don't start with that premise, then uh, there's nowhere else to go from there. By the way, no contracts, no termination fees, and no risk. There's a 30-day guarantee, and if you have any issues, any problems, well, they've got live customer service based in the USA to help you out. So uh, they're gonna, you know, they're there for you as well to help you. Here's what it comes down to for me. You know, I can turn everyday living into effortless giving for the charity of my choice. Best of all worlds, classic win-win situation. So here's what you need to go to, need to do. Call Charity Mobile at 1-877-474-3662 or chat with us online at charitymobile.com. That's charitymobile.com. Okay. So last night was another night of violence and anarchy in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as riders continue to fight for human rights, tolerance, and equality through random destruction, as is their uh, general MO. You already know, you know what, what this looks like, of course, because it's what Black Lives Matter has been doing all over the country for months now, or really years. But I want to play a few of the clips because I think it's important that, we, that people see this and keep seeing it for as long as it happens. So first, here are the uh, freedom fighters walking down a line of cars and vandalizing them one by one. And here we have a furniture store set on fire in the name of justice, of course. And then again, uh, you know, and, and this is all for justice and peace. Just want to emphasize, want you to understand justice and peace. Here's a truck set on fire. And then you can see other buildings uh, set on fire as well.
Oh, and I, I think this is interesting. Um, this particular group of freedom fighters, they really seem to have something against street lamps that they're knocking down all over the place, like you see right here. And you know, street lamps perpetuate systemic racism somehow. So it makes sense. Now, all of this obviously was ostensibly sparked by the shooting of Jacob Blake, who, uh, as we discussed yesterday, was a fugitive wanted for domestic assault and sexual assault with a history of resisting arrest and pulling guns. He was shot while cops tried to arrest him because he went to his car, opened the door, and reached inside. Uh, we still haven't been told you know, whether he had a gun in his car or not. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Though, doesn't really matter that much at the end of the day because he gave cops very good reason to think he was reaching for a gun, whether he had one or not. And if he wasn't reaching for a gun, then his actions become completely impossible to understand. Not that reaching for a gun is understandable either. But then if there was nothing there, what was he doing? And it would seem almost to be like a suicide by cop situation. I'm not saying that was the case, but I can't imagine why else you would behave that way in that situation. And while we're on the subject, a new angle of the altercation is now making the rounds. It, it's difficult to see what's happening here exactly, except that you can tell that Blake is definitely fighting the cops. Take a look. So like I said, hard to decipher the specifics, but this confirms for sure that he was resisting and brawling with the cops. And then he went to his car while they had guns pointed at him. Um, there are you know, different perspectives you can have on this case. And no matter your perspective, there's still a lot we don't know. We don't know if Blake had a gun in the car. We don't know if he was being arrested because of his warrants, which would mean the cops knew that he had a history of resisting arrest and pulling guns on cops. Um, that's very important to know, and we don't know that. We don't know many things. But whatever your take on this, no honest person can claim that this is some kind of racist execution. There's no reason to think that. Yet that is precisely what's being claimed by the rioters and by Democrats at the highest levels of the party. We already talked about the governor of Wisconsin yesterday, how he immediately, without any information, tied this to racism and said essentially that it was a merciless execution. Even though, uh, even though Jacob Blake is, is still alive. The Biden campaign, for its part, put out a statement yesterday. Here's what it says. Um, yesterday in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back as police attempted to restrain him from getting into his car. His children watched from inside uh, the car and bystanders watched in disbelief. And this morning, the nation wakes up yet again with grief and outrage that yet another black victim is a victim, a black, black American is a victim of excessive force. This calls for immediate, full, and transparent investigation, and the officers must be held accountable. Notice how he calls for an investigation only after passing a verdict that it was excessive forced, force. So he says, here's what happened, I've decided. Now we need an investigation to confirm what I just said. This is how Democrats operate. They pass the verdict and then investigate to find evidence to support the verdict they already passed. If no such evidence is found, they either disregard the evidence and continue along with their verdict anyway, their narrative, or they toss the narrative aside and pretend it never happened. Um, but Biden continues. He says, 
These shots pierce the soul of our nation. Equal justice has not been real for black Americans and so many others. We are, we are at an inflection point. We must dismantle systemic racism. It is the urgent task before us. We must fight to honor the ideals laid in the original American promise, which we are yet to attain, that all men and women are created equal, but more importantly, that they must be treated equally. All of this, everything you just heard, is at the very best, highly irresponsible and reckless. At worst, it is intentional, you know, it intentionally encourages more rioting and destruction by propping up a false narrative that has nothing at all to do with this case. And usually when it comes to Democrats, the at worst option is correct. Which brings me finally, after a long setup, to the words of Nancy Pelosi. Many conservatives yesterday were upset by what she had to say on MSNBC about her political opponents. Um, but I'm not very upset by it. Uh, and I'll tell you why. But first, listen to this. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their allies in the Congress of the United States. But again, let's just get out there uh, and mobilize, organize, uh, and not uh, let the president deter anybody uh, from voting. And again, support the postal system, which is election, election central. They're doing everything they can. Suppress the vote of, uh, with your actions. Scare people, intimidate right. by saying law enforcement will be there. Uh, uh, diminish the role of the, of the postal system in all of this. It's really actually shameful. Enemies of the state. Domestic enemies. Enemies of the state. That's what Nancy Pelosi calls Republicans. Some Republicans were scandalized by this. Oh, the rhetoric. What rude, such mean, the rhetoric is so hurtful to our feelings. The rhetoric. Well, get over it, you whimpering sissies. Stop, stop scolding them for being mean to you and throw it right back at them. Because in fact, this is exactly how I feel about the Democrat Party. And in this case, it's true. The Democrat Party is a domestic enemy. Enemies of the state. This is a party that is actively fueling, encouraging, promoting, calling for violence and destruction in our streets. Many hundreds of millions of dollars have been lost from the damage wrought by the crazed mobs that Democrats support. Many dozens of people have been killed. And this is what they want. This is the rallying cry. More unrest in the street is what Representative Ayanna Presley asked for last week. She's comfortable. She's safe. She's privileged. But she doesn't care if your house burns, your business, your livelihood. If you're assaulted or killed by a rabid mob of racial avengers, she doesn't care. You're a political pawn to her, nothing more. Your life has no meaning to her. And the same is true of everyone else leading this corrupt party of hustlers and liars. This is way beyond Democrats merely refusing to condemn the violence. Of course, they have refused to condemn it. Four nights of the convention last week, and not once did anyone breathe a word of criticism towards Antifa or BLM. Just like they didn't condemn the BLM activist who beat a man unconscious, um, they aren't condemning anything that's happened in Wisconsin or anywhere else. We know that. But it's a lot worse than that. It goes way beyond a failure to condemn. It goes way beyond silence. They provide cover for the violence, thus facilitating it. They want our cities to burn. They want racial strife. They want a race war. They want black people to believe falsely that they are being hunted in the street by racist cops. They want paranoia. They want fear. They want hatred, resentment, vengeance. 
This is a political party without a soul, without a hint of any redeeming quality whatsoever, without a shred of integrity or decency. And I don't say any of this as a way of propping up Republicans. The Republican Party is useless and cowardly as far as I'm concerned, but the Democrat Party is morally deranged to a degree that we have not seen in American politics in a very long time. It is an active threat to our system of government, our way of life, our civilization. I'm sorry if this rhetoric is disturbing to you. I'm sorry if it makes your tummy hurt a little when you hear it, but it's the truth. And we have to start with square one here, which is recognizing and facing the truth, whatever it means and wherever it leads. Let's go to five headlines. Before we get into five headlines, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter, uh, one of uh, my favorite sponsors on the show. You know, hiring is challenging, especially with everything else you got going on these days. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult time to run a business, but there's one place where you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and, and a place where businesses can connect to qualified candidates. You get all that in one place. The place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh. ZipRecruiter, what they're going to do is they're going to send your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job sites. Uh, but they don't stop there, okay? So it's not just like they're sending it out into the void and waiting for something to happen. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then actively invites them to apply for your job. So there's an active solicitation here going on for job candidates. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Uh, you can't ask, you, you literally can't ask for, for better results than that. And uh, let's let's make it even better right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. My listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh, W-A-L-S-H, ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, the RNC happened last night, as you might expect. Uh, I didn't watch, but based on the, the highlights after the fact, I say that the best moment um, wasn't any address given by any politician, but instead the short remarks from the McCloskeys. Now, that's the married couple that stood outside their homes to defend it against a mob that was descending on their neighborhood, is now being prosecuted for that entirely legal uh, act, uh, an act uh, protected by the Second Amendment. And they were invited to deliver a message, and I thought it was short and to the point and pretty powerful. Listen. America is such a great country that not only do you have the right to own a gun and use it to defend yourself, but thousands of Americans will offer you free advice on how to use it. At least that's what we experienced. What you saw happen to us could just as easily happen to any of you who are watching from quiet neighborhoods around our country. And that's what we want to speak to you about tonight. That's exactly right. Whether it's the defunding of police Ending cash bail so criminals can be released back out on the streets the same day to riot again, or encouraging anarchy and chaos on our streets. It seems as if the Democrats no longer view the government's job as protecting honest citizens from criminals, but rather protecting criminals from honest citizens. Not a single person in the out-of-control mob you saw at our house was charged with a crime. But you know who was? We were. And those are exactly the kinds of messages that the Republican Party, I think, needs to amplify. Uh, and so far at their convention, they are, which is great. It wasn't all smooth sailing, though. It seems that a, a few of the speakers forgot that there was no audience, and which, which is tough. OK, it's like it's especially if you don't do any public speaking, you might not 
it might not be entirely obvious why it's uh, so difficult. Why there's like an extra challenge of not having an audience when you're giving a speech because you just have to calibrate things differently. It's just an entirely different, you know, environment when you don't have an audience to play off of and you don't have the you know applause and everything. So I think some of the speakers forgot that and um, went for the screaming raucous pep rally speech in spite of the fact that there was no screaming raucous pep rally audience there. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Um, for example, turn the dial up to 11 for her speech, which normally I'm all in favor of, but it didn't quite work given the crickets in the background. Watch, just watch a clip of this. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. That's, that's rough. That's, uh, that, it's pretty hilarious, actually, in a really uncomfortable the office sort of way. In fact, it reminds me of that scene. I don't know if you're if you're an office fan, you know. I, you must have thought immediately the same thing I did, which is the sw- the scene of Dwight at the salesman convention getting his award. Uh, really, there's major vibes of of that going on. Um, but the effect is it's it's really it's like if you went back watching a speech without an audience. It's it's like if you went back and watched an episode of like King of Queens without the laugh track. So it's, you know, a scene where Kevin James gets caught uh, eating from the jar of mayonnaise or whatever, and then his wife berates him and verbally abuses him for three minutes. A scene like that, without the cue of the crowd laughing, would be, like, depressing and disturbing. And it would make you want to call the police about about the the domestic abuse. But with the crowd telling you, this is funny, laugh, it has a whole different flavor to it. So same here with the convention speeches. You don't realize how important the psychological cues of the crowd are until you don't have it. So we are sheep, is what I'm trying to tell you. We react to things emotionally based on how other people are reacting. They tell us how we're supposed to react, and then we react that way. Okay, um, number two, a guy named Giancarlo Granda says that he has uh, been in a thruple, sort of, with Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife for many years now. He's also a business partner of Falwell's to make things weirder. And to make them even weirder, from what I understand, uh, the business partnership started after the Thruple business. Not that it would be much better if it was before, but I, I don't know. It's just weird. Like you're in a this kind of arrangement, and and then you decide to start a business together. Um, so he says the couple met him when he was a pool boy, and it's, really, actually a pool boy. And then he soon started a relationship with Falwell's wife, and then and then uh, Falwell. Uh, will watch, uh, you know, as they're involved in 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 their activities, as, as he's involved in an activity. When I say in an activity, I don't mean playing Monopoly. Okay, you get my drift. But uh, he's involved in, in that with the wife, and then Falwell will watch. Uh, so Falwell's literal cuckold, if this is true. Now, the board of directors at Liberty have asked Falwell to resign. Uh, he originally said he was going to, and then he said he wasn't. And But now, from what I understand, he really is resigning. And this is all coming on the heels of of of, uh, of that picture of him with his pants unbuttoned on the yacht with the young woman, and then uh, and then if you recall, he called into a radio show to explain it, and he really seemed to be drunk or out of it in some way when he was on the radio show. So it's been one humiliating episode after another. And normally, I would say that this is salacious go- gossip; it's irrelevant. Uh, who cares? And that's still how I feel. Like I don't care that much, but. The problem here is that Falwell is, was, 
a powerful Christian leader, quote unquote, Christian leader, um, big scare quotes on that. And he made millions of dollars by cultivating that brand and selling it to the public and convincing you know, people to send uh, their kids to his school. A school where, by the way, many kids have been expelled uh, for doing exactly the kinds of things that he was apparently doing all the time in his private life. If you do that, uh, and then you, it turns out that you're a degenerate weirdo, well, then your degeneracy is news. And, and that's really your fault. I don't feel at all sorry for you. You, you. you profited off of cultivating a brand that was completely false. And you treated your faith like a brand, made a lot of money off of it, and now you're exposed. That's your fault. And personally, I'm, I'm so damn tired of quote-unquote Christian leaders turning out to be scumbags that I just, I have no sympathy for them. No appetite to defend them. Not that I would defend them anyway, but I, you know, just... Uh, you want to mock them and laugh at them, go ahead, really. They deserve it. I'm so tired of this. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised by it. That's sort of my point. I wish I was surprised. I wish I was surprised that someone like Jerry Falwell Jr. is this. Not at all. None of us are. It's what we come to expect. And it really shouldn't be that way. Um, all right. Let's go to number three. Here's an interesting video. It appears that Black Lives Matter scumbags were marching through D.C. Uh, I think it was, it's, it's, the claim online is that it's D. I'm not sure what city this is, but they were apparently demanding that people at uh, the restaurant that you're about to see here raise their fists for black power. And one brave couple refuses to act like a trained seal, responding to commands. And this is what happened because of that. Yes, be that couple. That's the couple you should be. Uh, those are brave people who retain their dignity. Now, personally, I would have loved to see them raise the fist and then slowly turn it around and raise the middle finger. You know, I, I, I would have, that would have been fun if they had done that. But this was good too. So be them. Do not be the embarrassing mustachioed coward to the right, who you probably noticed uh, with sitting there with his fist up. You know, and just that look of total shame on his face. How, how do you live with yourself after that? You've got this mob of, of scumbags just shouting at you, telling you to, to bark on command like a dog, and you actually do it. And it's on film. I mean, how do you live with that? Totally embarrassing. He's given up his dignity forever, uh, and it's, it's really not worth it. So good for that couple. And that's how everybody should respond. I mean, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they tell you to do. You got this, this, this uh, you know, mob of bullies coming back and say, hey, do this. Do, perform this act right now because I told you to. I don't care what it is. You should refuse to do it. On the principle of it. Oh, well, who, who do you think you are? I'm not going to listen to you. Why, why should I listen to you? Why, why? I don't care at all what your opinion is of me. All right, very important report here from the New York Post. Uh, it says, while older texters may consider the, the period uh, an, in, an innocent symbol that a sentence has ended, digital natives consider it a triggering form of aggression. 
The punctuation problem ignited over social media recently with Gen Z and millennials agreeing that ending a sentence with a period is overly hostile and worse yet, extremely uncool. Um, Digital culture journalist Victoria Turk in her book, Kill Reply All, it's a book on digital etiquette, so you go pick that up, said only old people or troubled souls put periods at the end of every sentence. The younger generations consider the act of sending a text a sufficient signifier of a complete thought, Turk wrote, making periods feel unnecessary and overly final. Um, Okay, and it's a long, it goes on from there. We we could keep reading, but I won't. I I just have to say, you know, I can just sum it up. I'm I'm actually in full agreement with this. Um, And I thought this was common knowledge that periods in a, in a, in a paragraph or a series of sentences are fine, of course, very much advised in that case, but a period after one word or one sentence and then sent via text messages or message or email is passive aggressive. Um, and this is simply a fact. I thought everyone knew that. And since we're canceling punctuation marks, I would also like to throw in, speaking of aggressive punctuation marks, the exclamation point, I think also deserves to be on the ash heap of history. Exclamation points are almost never necessary. If you want to communicate enthusiasm, you're excited about something, you should be able to do that via the words you're typing. You should be able to express yourself in a way that makes your enthusiasm clear without needing the exclamation point. And this is ex- especially true of men. Okay, it, it's women can get away with exclamation points. Children can get away with exclamation If you're a grown man, you should never be using an exclamation point except sarcastically or ironically. Those are pretty much the only times where it's acceptable. Speaking of dignity, no grown man can keep his dignity while sending an exclamation point. And that is also just a simple fact. Five, finally, another thing um, here that gets my full endorsement and agreement. Report from Sky News that says KFC will suspend its finger-licking-good slogan after 64 years because it doesn't quite fit with coronavirus hygiene messaging. The U.S. fried chicken chain has released new images of advertising posters and packaging with the slogan blurred and pixelated. It says Colonel Sanders' is, uh, It's Finger Licking Good saying will return when the time is right, but will alter its messaging for now uh, because they're, you know, they're worried about the, the coronavirus. This is good and responsible. I'm, I'm on board with it, and it has nothing to do with coronavirus for me. Just in general, people who lick their fingers after eating are disgusting savages, unfit for human society. It, it may, in fact, be the number one most nauseating personal habit a person can possibly have. It's it's barbaric. And the worst thing is, how many people, after licking their fingers, actually go and wash their hands? Their fingers are now covered in their own slobber. How many of those people are going to wash their hands? Very few of them. Because they think their saliva is sufficient. They're like cats, thinking they can clean themselves with their own tongues. I, I'd hate to see how they clean the rest of their bodies. I don't know if they're like in the shower with the shower turned off, spitting on themselves, washing in the, the mucus with a, with a loofah. I, I don't know. But this, just to be clear, we are human beings. Our saliva is not sterile. Okay, it has all kinds of germs in it. It's completely disgusting. We have invented... You know, we, we live in a, in a civilized world. We have running water and faucets. Wherever you are, there's probably one nearby. Even if you don't have access to a faucet, there's still no excuse to lick your fingers. So I'm, I'm, uh, th- this has been my 
I've, I've been boycotting KFC really for, for years just because of this slogan. I think it's the most offensive slogan from, from any company, and I'm glad that they're finally getting rid of it. Okay, um, now let's get to our, speaking of offensive, we'll get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, I'm canceling PhDs, and I'll explain why. Uh, this starts uh, recently. A, a PhD expert scolded me on Twitter for my objectionable opinions on gender and other related topics. Uh, you know, I'd made the argument, as I made on the show, that one of the primary tools used to sexualize children in our culture is trans indoctrination. And because of that, Dr. Logan Levkov swooped in to expose and annihilate my transphobia with these scorching rays of her superior education and intellect. Uh, she countered that, quote, the primary tool in our culture used to create fear and hate about gender identity is Matt Walsh, which is a flattering claim, by the way, that sadly I can't possibly live up to, though I wish I could. Uh, and she reminded the reader that I am not an expert in gender or sexuality, and therefore nobody should listen to me. She is an expert, though, or at least that's the title she's given to herself. Uh, her bio on her website informs us that she is a sex educator, a, quote, internationally recognized expert on sexuality and relationships, and a, quote, thought leader in the field of human sexuality and personal relationships. On top of all that, she's incredibly humble. Now, as an uneducated bumpkin myself with only a high school diploma to my name, um, I sensed an opportunity here to be educated. So I sat down at my computer in my tattered dungarees with a piece of straw hanging out of my mouth. This is how she probably imagined the scene anyway. And uh, I asked the good, the good doctor the question that I've been posing to proponents of left-wing gender theory for years now. What is a woman? That's my classic question. You've heard it from me many times. I've not been able to extract a coherent response from anyone on the left, no matter how often I try. But I figured that if anyone could rise to the challenge, it would be a PhD who is recognized internationally as an expert in the field of knowing what gender is. So her first answer uh, to the question was kind of disappointing, though. She said, quote, gender is a social construct. Womanhood or manhood is not defined by reproductive organs or genitals. Assigned sex at birth is also not a binary. And sexual orientation is not the same as gender identity. It's fairly simple, and you're welcome. Now, there are a lot of problems here, beginning with the fact that she didn't define the word. She didn't answer the question. Instead, she offered up a whole bunch of additional vague concepts that need their own definitions. What does she mean by assigned sex? Who is the sex assigner? God? Nature? Surely she must know that doctors at the hospital don't assign sex. It's not as though they're pulling babies out of the womb and randomly attaching boy or girl genitals to them like potato head dolls. Um, doctors notice or observe the sex. They don't assign it. She also gives the classic gender as a social construct canard. Now, I call that a classic, but we should note that it's a very new classic. Prior to the arbitrary invention of gender as a human, a human identity, which is a concept largely pioneered, by the way, by a, a, a pedophilic quack named, named John Money, who tried, tried out these theories on two young boys who later went on to kill themselves. But that's a story that deserves more of a focus than I can give it right now. Um, prior to any of that, gender was a grammatical category. Words had gender. People had sex. Uh, we are now told that people have both sex and gender. But the people telling us that have never quite been able to explain how the two are different and why we need both concepts. Plus, as I've argued many times, the false sex versus gender dichotomy contradicts the trans narrative as invariably it's a child's affinity to, to the gender constructs of the other sex that is cited as a reason to transition them to that sex in the first place. But if the constructs are artificial, then why assume that a child's identifying with them has any deeper meaning at all? In other words, why can't he just be a feminine boy 
you know, feminine by society standards boy, are we not reinforcing the constructs by insisting that feminine boys are actually girls because only girls can be feminine? This answer from our expert simply doesn't work on any level, unfortunately. Um, so I, you know, I asked again and, and she tried again. A few minutes later, after consulting with her expert level PhD books, she said, what is a woman? Anything she wants to be. This is about the caliber of insight that I might expect from a fortune cookie. And they give you fortune cookies for free with your order of Kung Pao chicken. I really hate to think how much Dr. Logan spent on university courses in order to attain a similar level of enlightenment. Um, so that's kind of disturbing. Needless to say, anything she wants to be cannot be a valid definition for the word woman. Definitions are supposed to tell you what a thing is. This de definition tells me almost nothing about women, except that apparently they're shapeshifters, which is an interesting fact, no doubt, but I don't feel that I'm much closer to understanding the concept of womanhood fundamentally. So, uh, you know, I had to, I had to press further. And, and finally, our sex and gender expert made one more attempt and offered this up as a definition. She says, I was giving you more info than you asked for because you clearly didn't know the difference between assigned sex and birth and gender. Obviously, that was too complex for you. A woman is someone who identifies as female. Female identity and female assignment may be different. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Or are we? Let's break this down a little bit. A woman is someone who identifies as female. Let's try to understand this. What is a female? Well, female is someone with two X chromosomes and a vagina and a uterus. Okay. What does identify as mean? Well, that can mean any number of things. Identify could mean recognize or observe. You know, we say that a witness may identify the suspect, meaning, hey, that guy, that, that's the guy, uh, I recognize him. Is this what identify as female means? Women are people who recognize that they have two X chromosomes? And that can't be it, because obviously males can't recognize two X chromosomes within themselves because they don't have them. And what about women who have them but don't recognize them? Are they not women? So that doesn't work. Now, dictionary.com has another definition that might be uh, might help us a little bit more. It says, it says uh, identify can also be a verb meaning to associate oneself in feeling, interest, action, etc., with a specified group or belief system. Okay. Now this seems to this seems to be what we're talking about, right? But a number of problems present themselves. First of all, how can you associate yourself in feeling and interest with a certain set of chromosomes? And even if you can, is there not obviously a, a difference between the group that has the chromosomes and the group that identifies with the group that has it? If identifies as denotes anything, then it must by definition denote that there is a difference between those who have or those who are and those who identify as. And if there is no difference, then why do we even need this identify as business at all? Why do we need the prefix trans? So it seems we're left with women who are females by definition, and then this other group uh, who are men, some of whom have some kind of hazy, ill-defined, vague affinity for some aspects of what our culture considers feminine. Now, you can call that latter group whatever you want or whatever they want, except you cannot call them women because women are precisely the group they identify with, which means they are not in it, but outside it and identifying with it. So this definition doesn't work either. Women cannot, by definition, be both females and not females. Given that male and female are only two options, if women are females or males, then women aren't anything in particular, and we're back to not having a definition. 
the good doctor after hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on her education and so many years as an expert traveling the globe to deliver her expertise and, 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 and educate everybody and, and uh, pass on her wisdom, apparently still doesn't have an understanding on the topic of gender that rises even to the level of my seven-year-old son. And this is why we're canceling PhDs. You're still allowed to get one if you want. I will permit it in my, in my generosity. But just know that getting a whole bunch of certificates and calling yourself an expert uh, doesn't make you one. In fact, in this country today, you can be a certified expert in a field without knowing the first damn thing about it. What we find is that for some people, the process of education is a process of finding long and windy and tortured ways around facts and truth. Many of our experts are experts at sounding smart while being stupid, in other words. And that's because the process of learning won't amount to actual knowledge if you're not learning with the intent of pursuing truth. Much of the learning that goes on in our country, especially in the higher institutions, is learning ways around truth, not ways to it. And that's how you end up with legions of experts who are essentially large grapefruits with wigs and faces drawn on in Sharpie. At least they are comparable to grapefruits when it comes to their depth of real knowledge and understanding. And so, PhDs are canceled. The good doctor is canceled. And just for good measure, I'm also going to cancel everyone who calls themselves a doctor when they're not medical doctors. Because, come on, you know, we all know that's pretty lame. So stop that too. Uh, everyone there is canceled. And I guess we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.